The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Today we're going to look at a little section of Romans chapter 8, probably one of the most famous, uh, well-known chapters in all the Bible. In Romans chapter 8, in verses 3 and 4, you have this statement, and this is what it says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. What he means by that is the law gave commandments that we ought to do. They're the righteous thing to do. But the problem was, it was the fact that we are a flesh and we cannot do the right thing. We choose to do the wrong thing. And he says, what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh, in other words, the way the flesh looks at reality and thinks, is death. In other words, it it doesn't see the fact that the life that we live is death in relationship to God. We do not obey him. We do not live for him. But the mindset of the Spirit, on the other hand, is life and peace. And so this is what we're looking at. The law can't justify, and it can't sanctify either. Those are two things. The law can't make you right with God. That is justification. And it can't make you do right for God. That's sanctification. It can't change your heart. It's futile to turn to the law to have our condemnation lifted, and it is futile to turn to the law to have our rebellion against God and our love affair with everything but God taken away. This is the problem with man. In our fallenness, we value what God has created more than we value God. Every one of us has two deep problems. We are guilty before God, and we deserve condemnation, that is judgment, and we are rebellious against God and love his creation more than we love him. This is what it says in Romans one twenty five. For they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And here's what the lie is. It's not just a lie. It's the lie. And the lie is that you can worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Neither of these problems can be fixed by the law of God. Putting yourself under the law cannot empower you to fix these problems. And yet, these problems must be fixed or we're going to perish. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification being set apart to God, without which no one will see the Lord. Only those who are sanctified, and that's what happens to us at salvation. We are justified, declared righteous, and we are sanctified. We, we have our sin nature dealt with in our relationship with Christ. So to fix the first one, God turns us away from the law to Christ. He took away our condemnation by condemning Christ in our place. This is exactly what happened. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says something very important. He explains the Spirit's liberating work takes place only within the situation created by Christ himself. And that's what he says in verse 3. For what the law could not do, because it was God did through uh, it was it was through the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That is, He condemned sin in Jesus, and Jesus died for our sins, so that we could be made right with God. He says, so that the just or righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words. 
Our union with Jesus Christ completely changes everything. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, as well as Romans chapter 5, verse 21, tell us about this thing, and that is that uh, he says, God placed our sin on Christ. He made him, that is, the Father made the Son to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's called sometimes the great exchange. Our sin is exchanged for his righteousness. And so in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and in Romans 5, 21, it talks about this very truth. What happens is my sin is transferred to Christ and his righteousness is transferred to me. So I'm as righteous in the eyes of God as Jesus Christ is. This is how we can be changed. It's an act of God based upon the actions of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took our place and he not only acted perfectly under the law, he obeyed God's commandments perfectly because he's not corrupted by sin, but also he has declared us to be righteous because he died in our place. And so our sins were paid for and we were made right with God simply because we believed on Jesus himself. So he says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that changes us. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. This is, in fact, in a situation when he says, however, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then he goes on and makes this statement, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. He doesn't belong to Christ. So every single believer has the Holy Spirit living in him. And he is made right with God because of his union with Jesus Christ. This is the thing that changes us, not the law, but our union with Christ, our being joined with him, and our relationship with him is what changes us. The beauty of Christ affecting our hearts in all kinds of ways is what brings about this great change in us. We do not change because we read the law and then we do the law. Our problem is when we look at the law, it convicts us. The reason it convicts us is because it demands that we do certain things that we don't think we can do. But if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But by, if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, Jesus Christ in you is the only one who can set you free from the bondage of sin. But the most important thing that the law can't do is it can't give the Son glory for justification and sanctification. That's worship. We worship him because he has dealt with our lack of righteousness and he has dealt with our need to be changed. So he changed our status with God and he changed our condition in relationship to God. So the law can't justify and it can't sanctify either. The law can't make you right with God. That's justification, and it can make you do right for God. That's sanctification. It's futile to turn to the law to have our condemnation lifted. Every one of us has two problems. We're guilty before God, and we deserve condemnation, and we are rebellious against God and love his creation more than we love him. That's what it says in Romans 1.25. For they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Neither of these problems can be fixed by the law of God. In other words, the law of God tells us what we should do. It tells us what we should not do. But it does not empower us to do what we should do. It does not empower us to not do what we should not do. 
So these problems must be fixed, we're told. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification being set apart to God, without which no one will see the Lord. No one will ever see the Lord if they don't experience sanctification, if they're not set apart to God. One time a friend of mine said to his mom, uh, he was getting ready to do something, and she says, where are you going? He said, oh, I'm going down to meet with the saints. And she says, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going down to the church to meet with the saints. And she's a good Catholic. And she said, you think those people are the saints? And he said, yeah, they're the saints. That's what the Bible says. It says that the people who belong to the church are saints. They're set apart to God. That's sanctification. And we're told here in Hebrews twelve fourteen that the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord, we must be sanctified in order to see Christ. To fix the first one, God turns us away from the law to Christ, and he took away our condemnation by condemning Christ in our place. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that the Father put our guilt upon him, and he bore the guilt, and he paid the penalty for it so that we would have the righteousness that he possesses. So what did God do to fix the second problem, our rebellion against God, and the addiction we have to crave God's creation more than we desire him? That's something that we often don't think much about, that that it is sin for us to crave his creation but have no desire for him whatsoever. Does God turn us away from the law for justification and then send us back to the law for sanctification? No. Even though there are those who teach this, this is not true. Paul now explains that the Spirit's liberating work takes place only within the situation that's created by Christ. That's what he says in Romans 8.3. He spells this out, showing the Spirit can liberate the believer from sin and death only because in Christ and his cross, God has already condemned sin. By removing our condemnation, it is possible for God to sanctify us and set us apart to himself. And notice now how he highlights the inability of the law to accomplish that which God did in sending his son in 2 Corinthians 5. If we want to love our enemies and return evil for evil and have patience and kindness and be bold and courageous in the cause of righteousness and endure hardship joyfully in service of the gospel and spread a passion for the supremacy of Jesus Christ, then where do we turn for help? How do we become holy, loving, Christ-like after we have been justified by faith alone? What do you do? Where do you turn to? What is your focus and passion? How do you fight for holiness and love and Christ-likeness? How do you fight? Is law the key that unlocks a life forever? Is it reading what you ought to be and what you ought to do that transforms you? No, it's not. It's what condemns you. You read it and realize you're much worse than you thought. We are far worse than we think. We are more broken than we realize. We are more sinful than we are able to even take in. The most important point Paul makes about the law in this epistle is proved incapable of rescuing people from the domain of sin and death. This is what it repeats over and over again. Clearly, the law is not the key to unlock a life of love. The law cannot sanctify. And the reason it can't, the law can't remove our condemnation. Remember something. The foundation of transformation is the removal of condemnation. Condemnation is God's judgment against us. And we cannot be changed as long as we have that condemnation hanging over us. That must be removed. And the law cannot conquer that. The law can't conquer the flesh. It cannot change us at the root of our nature, our fallenness and rebellion against God. It can't take away our reluctance to love God and our treasonous preference for God's gifts above God. In fact, the law aggravates our sin and stirs up our rebellion. 
It gives us a good commandment, and we hear it and respond to it by being tempted to do that very thing. Do not be deceived. The law can't get anywhere with our deep rebellion. That is our flesh. What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, we are told in Romans 8, verse 3. Remember what Paul has taught us about the law. Back in Galatians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, it says, For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise. In other words, the law says, you must do this, you must do this, you must not do this, you must not do this. So it's not based on a promise, what he did for Abraham. He gave Abraham a promise. If you remember, he put Abraham to sleep as he made the covenant so that Abraham would understand this is dependent upon the promises of God, not your promises. It isn't you promising that you're going to do better. It's God promising that he's going to give you this gift freely of his own will. Now it's no longer based on a promise, if that were true, if the law was able to produce righteousness. So we, we have to ask the question, well, why the law then? If Abraham, what he received as a gift, why do we have the law? It was an agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. The law produced a deep sense of need for a Savior before the Savior ever came. This is what we need. We realize how bad we were by being exposed to the law. The law tells us what we ought to do, and we realize what we ought to do, and all it does is condemn us. We are self-condemned because we can't do what the law demands that we do. So the law is not the remedy for our condemnation or our rebellion. In fact, it reveals the truth about our sinfulness. It doesn't conquer the flesh, we're told in chapter 7, verse 5. It just incites it. The law incites the flesh. Now, notice this. This is chapter 7, verse 13 of Romans. Therefore, did the law become a cause of death for me? And he says, may it never be. Rather, it was sin, in order that it might be shown to be sinful by affecting my death through that which is good. In other words, what the law did, it revealed the truth about my indwelling sin and how I am a rebel against God and I am broken and I need his grace to be worked in me through Jesus Christ. So the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. The problem is not the law. The problem is my heart. It's the sin inside of me. Why would God want to increase transgression? It says that he wanted to increase transgressions. Well, in Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. What it is, it's like putting diamonds on a black velvet piece of display because they show up so well. And so what happened is all these transgressions, the law has been broken millions of times, and we see all these transgressions, and what it does, it reveals the deep, deep and profound need we have for grace. We need God to do something for us rather than simply test us. We need to have the grace of God given to us. The law can't give the Son glory for justification and sanctification. He tells us the law came in that the transgression would increase because he wanted us to see how desperately we needed the salvation that Christ alone could bring. And so he says, what happened is, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. He's talking about the cross. The greatest sin that was ever committed in the history of the world was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They turned on Jesus and crucified him, the most horrible kind of death there was. And and the greatest display of grace— that is, salvation by grace, was at the cross where this greatest act of rebellion was being accomplished. Also, it was the basis of our salvation. So it was a great display of grace as well as the great display of sin. 
In Romans 5.21, it says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's purpose is to sanctify us in a way that, get this, he wants to sanctify us in a way that the credit and the glory for our liberation and transformation go to Jesus Christ, not to ourselves and not to the law. Therefore, God calls us not to turn to the law for transformation, for love and holiness and Christlikeness, but to turn to the living Christ who worked for us in history and works in us now by the Spirit. The law cannot magnify the Son as more glorious and more valuable and more durable than the pleasures of sin. It is only when Christ himself wins our affections over all others that he'll get the glory that God planned for him to get. Even if you did turn to the law and experience some measure of success in becoming a law-abiding person, like Saul of Tarsus or the Pharisees, Christ would get no honor from that if you did it on your own. If you accomplished this, you would get the honor, not Christ. But God's whole purpose in the plan of redemption is that his son get the glory, not only for our justification, but also for our sanctification. And this the law could not do. And so as we continue to look at this, what I'd like to do is for us to come to the place in the next few weeks where we see the key to sanctification. It is walking in the Spirit. That's what we're told in verse 4. It's walking in the Spirit, living our lives according to the Spirit, in response to the Spirit. What Spirit is this? Who does he mean by walking in the Spirit? Whose Spirit? Well, it tells us in chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, however you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So when you got saved, when you came to have a relationship with Christ, he gave you his spirit. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that is the Holy Spirit, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So my fervent prayer for you is this, that you will take hold of this truth. The only way we will experience the righteousness of the law being fulfilled in us, that is leading lives of Christ-exalting love, is not by turning to the law, but by turning to the living Christ. The power of sanctification is not the law, but it's the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ. The appropriation of his power comes not by turning to the law, but by taking hold of Christ crucified and risen, reigning and indwelling. The key to sanctification is to experience Christ. Christ transforms us through relationship, through union and communion. It's known and valued above all things. That is, the when we come to value him and know him above all things, that's the power that sanctifies. It isn't the law, and it's not in us. To keep the law the way God wants us to keep it in this age is you must Turn away from the law to be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Then you will bear fruit for God. So the conclusion? Well, we need his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. There's nine characteristics there that make up the character of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. And so if you notice this in, in Romans 7, verses 4 through 6, says, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we would serve in the new 
newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. By letter, he means the law is written down for us to tell us what is right and what we ought to do, but it doesn't empower us to do it. In chapter 8, Romans 8, verse 4, it says, So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So it's our walk in the Spirit in fellowship with Jesus Christ that produces in us this very element, this this righteousness. This is sanctification. You see the connection? Bearing fruit for God by being joined to Christ is the same as serving in the Spirit and bearing fruit from union with Christ. The Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Take this to heart. The law cannot make you a loving person. Only a person can. Get that? The law can't make you into a loving person. Only a person can. It can't overcome your rebellion. It can't conquer your addiction to the praise of men. It's a letter. It is the principles of righteousness. And the letter kills only the spirit. What he means by that, the law condemns us for our sin because we don't live up to this law that he has given to us. And, and the, the fact is, the only way we can be set free is through the indwelling Jesus Christ. He gives us life. He changes us to the core, at the very center of our being. He writes the law in our heart. He wins from us our deepest delight and admiration and trust. And thus, he breaks the power of canceled sin. Now, God's aim is that Jesus get the exaltation and you get the liberation. He wants to set you free, and he wants Jesus Christ to be exalted above all others. Paul says, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of of the Gentiles by word and deed. This is a crucial truth. Unless you pursue obedience through loving and honoring Jesus, you won't get the transformation, and he won't get the glorification. The fruit of the Spirit is listed for us in Galatians 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit tells us what the character of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus is. And this is how he says it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the character of Jesus is like. And when we live in relationship to him, his character begins to take hold in our hearts. Instead of him giving us a letter, that is the law written of the commandments, that this is how we ought to be and we are not. Instead, he gives us a picture of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is who he will make us to be. So what we have to do in order to be set free from the power of sin in our lives is to love Jesus Christ, to pursue him with all of our hearts, to actually have a relationship with him for his character to be transferred to us so that what people will see in us will be the person of Jesus Christ being lived out as we trust him and walk with him. So this is why we should take this to heart. The law can't make you a living person. Only a person can, and that person is Jesus Christ. When you get to know Jesus Christ, you discover him to be the most loving person that you have ever met. He is the one who can teach you. He is the one who can influence you to be set free from sin and to experience what sanctification really is, a changed character, having the character of Jesus Christ. So let me pray for you. Our Father, we thank you so much for this great, great promise that we have in your word, that you have a way uh, to change us that we have often forgotten about and pay no attention to. We are so thankful, Father, it's not by us keeping the law, which we cannot do, but it is us loving the Lord Jesus Christ and experiencing him in our lives 
the indwelling Christ, who manifests his character and his perfection in us in a daily way. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.